Hey, well, good morning, Victory Life Church. Great to see you today. Welcome to church. We have people still rolling in. That's okay. We're going to go ahead and get started. My name is Otto. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's my great honor and privilege to say good morning to you. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Uh, worship and sermon and the entire experience first service was incredible, and we anticipate the same thing for second service. So, so welcome. If this is one of your first times joining us, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And if you'd like to have us join you in your journey of faith, you can check us out at vlchurch.com. There's a banner there on our front page that is specifically for you if you are, in fact, new here. And it says, are you new here? And you can just click on that banner, and it'll take you to a page to fill out, and that'll come straight to me, and I will connect with you sometime this week to talk about how you can get involved and learn more about Victory Life Church. Speaking of getting involved, I want to give another shameless plug about our life groups, uh, many of which are starting up this week. Uh, when you sat down in your seat this morning, you likely saw one of these flyers here. It has on the rock at the top, and it has a listing on the front and back of all of our life groups that are going to be going on this spring semester. And we have some specifically just for men, specifically just for women. We have some for, for both men and women. And uh, a lot of different choices in terms of in-person life groups and also virtual life groups. So please uh, take a look at this form and just check mark which one you'd like to participate in. And then you can plop it in the basket on your way out. Our head usher, Tom Corey, that good-looking guy over there with his hand in the air, and will direct you where to, hand, or where to drop those off on your way out uh, this morning. Also, as you came in today, uh, you likely saw that uh, you have this little card on your seat. Matt's going to talk a little bit more about it during his sermon, but I at least want to uh, plant the seed right now. This is a QR code that you can scan, and it takes you to our Right Now Media page. If you're wondering what Right Now Media is, it is a digital video library of over 20,000 videos that includes children's movies, it includes uh, uh, Bible teaching uh, videos, it includes Bible studies for groups, and just a number of different things that you can utilize. What we have done is actually we've created our own channel called On the Rock Recommendations. As you know, we've been doing this On the Rock theme uh, for the fall of 2020, and we'll continue into spring 2021 and also summer 2021. And we are actually starting a series today that kind of falls under the rubric of On the Rock, in which case we'll be focusing on God's Word and studying books of the Bible pertaining to God's Word. And a lot of our life groups are on books of the Bible. Pastor Matt this morning is going to talk about the importance of the Bible and how it's a defining factor for our faith. And so on our channel in the Right Now Media um, digital library, you can see a lot of those recommendations that we have provided for you. And if you have any questions, certainly reach out to us. I'd be happy to answer any questions that you might have. In addition, you also have another goodie this morning, lots of treats today. Uh, we provided for you a little bookmark, and this is designed to be a support and a help to you um, as you endeavor to study God's Word. Our focus, once again, as I mentioned, will be on God's Word over the next six weeks, and so this is just kind of a guide for you. And it says there at the top, take pride in studying God's Word, and pride, of course, is an acrostic. And the acrostic just kind of defines for you what you're supposed to do each time you sit down to study God's Word. And it's a cool thing to kind of just slide into your Bible 
and it guides you and directs you as you do that study. So take advantage of that. Finally, if you came to give to Victory Life Church today, we just want to say thank you for giving to Victory Life Church. Our church is blessed because of you having given to it. And so if you'd like to give via text, you can do that. It's very easy. You just text the message VLC3833 to the number 73256 and just follow the prompts. If you want to go to our website, you can go to vlchurch.com backslash give, and there's a give here tab that you can click on and follow the prompts from there as well. If you came with a good old-fashioned uh, physical check that you'd like to slip into an offering envelope, you can do that. There should be some on your seat or in the seat back in front of you. If you, if you need one, just raise a hand on your way out. Our usher will give you one, and you can plop that offering envelope into the basket on your way out that our ushers will be holding for you today. But thank you for giving to Victory Life Church, and on that note, may I ask you to stand in preparation for worship this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, what a privilege to be in God's house this morning. We know that when we gather together as your people, you love that. And we have come here together to meet you in this place. And we know that the Bible tells us that when we draw near to God, that God will draw near to us. And so we thank you for drawing near to us this morning, and I pray that you would just attune our hearts and minds to you as we have done this. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just worship today together. Oh, I sing wherever I go.
days and every day we can sing. Oh, how can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? How can I keep from shouting your name? I know I am loved by the King and it makes my heart want to sing. Let's just bow our heads before Him this morning. Lord, we thank You today that You've given us reason to sing. We thank You, Lord, that we know in the troubled times we can sing. We thank you, Lord, that when we win, we can sing because you're the victor, Lord. When we lose our step, when we fall down again, we can still sing because you're picking us up. We know that you're there. We know that you're listening when we call to you in prayer, Lord. We know that this morning. We believe it. And we thank you and we sing to you today. Praise you. And we know above all, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to take on the sins of this world. And Jesus, living a sinless life, took on all the sin, died on the cross for everyone in this room and everyone in this world. Today we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus when we call upon the name of Jesus and believe that he has saved us. And it's in that what we live today, Lord. And that's the true reason we sing. All the other things, Lord, are, are just blessings and, and things that go far beyond just because, Lord, of who you are and your goodness. But primarily, it's because of your grace. It's your grace that makes us free today. Your amazing grace. And so we worship you and praise you for your grace and freedom today.
the earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. says you cannot understand grace unless you understand sin. And I thought, that's depressing. But then I thought about all the times that I've been selfish, missed the mark, hurt the heart of God with my actions, ignored the, my Lord and Savior, hurt my family, hurt my friends. When I think about all of the sinful behavior that I've engaged in, all the selfish things that I've done, whew, then grace becomes amazing. Then his mercy, the mercy that he bestows upon me becomes a sort of awe. We have a God who doesn't have to forgive us, but he wants to. He wanted to so badly that before he even gave us the breath of life. He made a plan by which he could show his grace and mercy. He wanted to be with us so much that he was willing to give everything that we might have a relationship with him. That is unmerited favor in the extreme. Thank God. so good. There is no picture, no understanding, no image of God greater than our Lord Jesus Christ. You are it, Lord Jesus. You are everything. Thank you for coming to this earth to display for us the exact representation of your Father's heart and to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We bless your name today. Thanks. Nice.
God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, it is so good to be back with you this morning. I, I got a little teary-eyed uh, coming into the building this morning. It's such an, uh, just a, a blessing when you're quarantined with the scourge of coronavirus. Uh, you miss being with the people of God so much, and you miss being in the house of God so much. I want to thank all of you, too, who prayed for my family and I, and uh, also have been praying for my mother. My mother is improving, praise the Lord. And uh, she's off the ventilator today, and we're praising the Lord for that. So, yes, he's worthy. He's worthy. And, uh, you know, God doesn't always do miracles. That's why they're called miracles, right? He, he doesn't always deliver us from peril. And, of course, we know that it's appointed for once man to die. We know that we'll all one day go be with the Lord. But uh, we were praying fervently for her. And... Um, it was really neat. I got to talk to her yesterday for the first time in 10 days, just via FaceTime, and she's very weak. It'll be a long road to recovery. But I said, Mom, you're a miracle. A and all of a sudden, I see this PPE-colored head, like, stick itself between the FaceTime camera and my mom. I'm like, oh, what is, is this outbreak? What is that? And of course it is. And so uh, the nurse popped her head in and said, I've been an ICU nurse for six years and I've been treating coronavirus patients for, for since March. And she said, I can confirm this is a miracle. This is a miracle. So thank you all for your prayers. Sometimes God does miracles to remind us that he's real, and he's still around, and he wants us to go, listen to me. I, I, I care about you, and I'm in your life. Well, one, of, one way that I have known that God is in my life and that God has cared about me and that God has cared about so many at this church is Pastor Spring Kiesler. And today, uh, in first service and in this service, we get the opportunity to thank and honor her for 26 years as children's pastor of VLC. Yeah, you can clap. We're, this is second service, so we will probably clap for Spring and the Lord at least 12 times before the end of our, uh, our mini-service here for her today. 26 years and 36 years of serving VLC altogether and more great years to come. More great years to come as a layperson. Uh, a 26-year tenure is unheard of in most places, but you have to be a faithful person, a person of integrity, and a person of great gifting to be anywhere for 26 years, and we honor one today. 26 years spring of trying to connect with each kid and make them feel special. 26 years of lesson planning for Children's Church, which we call Young Disciples because it sounds cooler. 26 years of Wednesday night clubs getting trays ready for teachers in the kitchen. 26 years of finding willing and happy nursery volunteers. Those who laugh know that that's an oxymoron. No, it's not an oxymoron, but you won't miss that part of the job, will you? Finding those nursery volunteers. 26 years of lifting up the word of God, saying this is the standard. This is God's truth for you. Not just to children, but into families. Because I've seen 26 years of you being a mom to moms and lifting up the word of God in other people's homes. 26 years of VBS. And boy, are we glad of it. I still sing songs from when I was a kid. 26 years of 
as I mentioned, being a mom to moms who were struggling. 13 years of upward basketball, one of the greatest evangelistic outreaches our church has ever embarked upon. Spring, you and Gary were the heart, the mind, and the muscle behind that. Years of garden club. I love tomatoes. Thank you for years of garden club. Taking time with those kids and during the summertime to grow them in a practical way as they grow in God's word. Years of ministry explosion. Many of you don't know. Spring used to take kids in the summer for a, a, a portion of time and train them and then take them into inner city Cleveland to do evangelism and justice work. Teaching like fourth and fifth graders what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. Years of Mother's Club. 26 years of moving tables and chairs. I joked with Spring that she has a PhD in table and chair moving. 26 years of delicious snacks and staff meeting. 26 years of preparing lessons, crafts, snacks, waiting at the copier. 26 years of training people on how to teach and love children, and so much more. Next to spring today sits Gary, who has been with her for so much of this journey, on loan from the Cleveland Clinic, and now retirement. 26 years of a helpmate suitable for this work, coming in nights and weekends and doing whatever needed to be done to support the ministry of VLC and the one that he loves most. I remember years ago, one of our leaders decided it would be great to have a Christmas concert and have all of the carpet of the sanctuary covered in snow. It was not snow, obviously. That would have been a hazard. It was little balls of foam. Now think about the poundage of that. And I got home from college, and, and my dad said, like he would often say, Matthew, stay to help after this thing tonight. You're going to need it. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, I don't, really don't want to help. And it fell upon that young college student and Spring and Gary Kiesler to vacuum up an entire sanctuary full of snow. It was back in the day where vacuums still had bags. Remember that? Vicious work. We vacuumed for hours and hours. And I remember thinking as a young college student, I am hating this with a passion. And I looked over that whole time at Spring and Gary, and they were just as happy as if they had been sitting on a yacht. They were joking and laughing and interacting with people as we vacuumed and vacuumed and vacuumed. Now, that wasn't in the job description that they gave you 26 years ago, was it? But you taught me a lesson that night. You do what needs to get done to do the work of the ministry. And 18, 19 years later, whatever it is, I, I've never forgotten that. Your joy as we vacuumed. A couple years later, we had a Christmas party, and I, and I caught your steam cleaner on fire, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but you were very gracious when we were cleaning up from that party. My dad used to say of Spring and Gary, and I remember this, and we've talked about it over the years as a family, he would say, Spring and Gary, salt of the earth, salt of the earth. Now, my dad had a lot of weird sayings. And honestly, until this week, I, I, have, I didn't know what salt of the earth meant, okay? Didn't know. So I had to look it up in the dictionary. Salt of the earth, this is the definition. 
an individual or group considered as representative of the best or noblest elements of society. Now, I know they would see that as too high of praise, but you two have shown us what nobility is and how to do the work of the Lord the right way. Spring, I've watched you personally over the last number of years reach out to so many people who were struggling. Not part of the job description, just part of being a servant of Jesus Christ. That doesn't stop. I, I've seen you personally take an interest in, in ministering to ladies of the church, whether they were moms or not, where it just wouldn't be normal or, or natural for a male pastor to make that call. Just said, I'll call them. I'll reach out to them. I thought about this between services today. I thought about all the times you took beautiful gifts to new moms, to just to love them and affirm them and hold newborn babies. I've seen you do some of the hardest things of ministry, things that we don't often mention in church where you've had to confront people on lifestyles that were detrimental to their children, detrimental to their family, and the grace and the wisdom with how, and the strength and the courage with which you have shared with people has been a lesson to me. In fact, I use one of your phrases all the time. And of course, I've seen you. I don't think there's anybody in the history of Victory Life, and I mean this. this. This is one of those statistics that I have no proof for except anecdotal, but I think it's true. I don't know that anybody has ever came into this building on nights and weekends more than you have in its 36-year existence to do the work of the ministry. And in a strange world where someone who once changed your diapers can eventually work for you, You've been there to help me these past six years. So often you've lifted my arms when they were too weak to lift. And you said, Matt, I'll do that when you knew I was struggling. That means not only that you have a love for the Lord, but you have been my friend. You've been an Aaron and a her to me and held up my arms in the hardest times. For that I'll be forever grateful. And you don't get to stop. Lay people can hold up arms too. The most special thing to me about Pastor Spring Kiesler uh, has to do with children, and it's this. I mentioned that Spring has always fought to show love to every child, and that is so true. There are thousands of people all over the country today who can run a good kids program. But Spring Kiesler made it her heart's cry, her, her life's work, to hear the heart of the children to whom she ministered. She, she has always tried to hear their heart, what makes them tick, what their struggles are, where they're at, and that's why every kid knew that she loved them. She tried to hear their heart. Adults don't do that, but gifted children's pastors do. You've always tried to hear everyone's heart, and I've seen you do it with my kids and so many others, and it's so meaningful. There will never, never be another Spring Kiesler at VLC in children's ministry. We cannot replicate her. But I do pray that we would always have workers in children's ministry that aspire to be like you. Thank you so much for these 26 years, and thank you in advance for the years to come. Pastor Otto. There we go. Well, it's uh, truly my great privilege to just offer a few comments for Pastor Spring. 
Uh, and first and foremost, I just want to say, Spring, it's just been great being a teammate of yours these last uh, five or six years. And <coughs> as a teammate, you know, we extended a gift to you during first service, and we gave you some flowers and, and a card, but we also um, gave you another gift. But before we do that, may I may make a few personal comments? Uh, I want to thank you for personally influencing and impacting my family. My daughter came to Christ under the influence of your ministry. And, you know, the other thing I thought about um, is the fact that when my wife ever needs godly advisement, you know who she usually reaches out to? Your daughter, Carrie. And I know that that comes back to your influence because of the way in which you've raised your children. And I'm thankful to you for impacting my family that way. And perhaps you've never heard that before, but on a personal level, I just want to extend that gratitude unto you uh, publicly. So we do have a public gift that we want to know, have you know about. Um, you should see something on the screen. Um, can we go to that picture, Carly? There should be a plaque on the screen here. What you see there is a plaque that adorns the nursery wing and the children's wing that has been named in honor of Pastor Spring. In honor of the work that she's done here at Victory Life Church, this plaque says this. It says, the Spring Kiesler Children's Wing, in honor of the meritorious work Pastor Spring Kiesler has done for 26 years here at VLC. Uh, Spring, we are grateful for your leadership, your service, and most importantly, your exemplary commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the way in which you have modeled that commitment to our children. And so in honor of that work and that service, we are honoring you by giving this particular plaque and, and honoring the wing in honor of you. And so thank you for your service, uh, and uh, we are grateful for it uh, here at Victory Life Church. And so um, we'd like to pray for you as you transition into this new role. And so if you're just uh, kind of sitting around spring or if you're not sitting around spring, just hold up a hand to God in honor of the fact that we want to just bless her this morning as we pray for her. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for Pastor Spring. Your word says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we are grateful for the ethic that Pastor Spring has applied to her feet when she sought to bring good news to our VLC children. Her impact will not be fully realized, perhaps for years, perhaps for generations to come. The only thing that we know now is that we are grateful unto her for doing such a beautiful work here at Victory Life Church. So we pray for her. We pray that you would bless her as she makes this transition. We pray that you would give her clarity now as she discerns her next steps and we pray that you would continue to give opportunity to her to share the good news of Jesus because we know that is and always will be her and Gary's top priority. We thank you for her and we thank you for the one she sought to serve. We bless and pray for Pastor Spring in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. So may I ask you to take a look at a video as a tribute to Pastor Spring. One of the best memories I have of Pastor Spring was when she taught us about what it meant to be getting baptized. And before we got baptized, she kind of gave us a little walk, walk, walk. 
and she just made it the process much easier and she like kind of lifted the nervousness of how I felt because she just has a calming personality and I feel like she really just helped me tell that journey. In garden club, she taught me how to cook because she cooks for me and year and she got me out of one of my favorite memories from Miss Green was that she would always make everyone feel included. Like when there was a new kid in Children's Church for that day, um, she would ask them how old they were and what school they went to so that they could kind of relate to the other kids and that they wouldn't be left out or feel like, awkward if there was a group project or something. One of my favorite memories of Miss Green is that whenever there's um, somebody new in Chelsea's church, she always made them feel included and comfortable um, where they were and that they understood what was going on. With Miss Spring and Children's Church, I learned about God's plan to rescue us. Um, I love Children's Church with Miss Spring because she uh, makes sure that we can understand the lesson and what we're supposed to learn. I love Miss Spring because she's kind and she plans fun things for us to do, like PBS and Garden Club, and she makes sure we learn something every week. What I love about Miss Spring is that she influenced me and she helped me learn things from the Bible. What I learned is that God always keeps his promises like he did for Joseph. What I love about Children's Church is that every lesson, there's always a fun activity after. Hi, my name is Jody, Pastor Spring's daughter, and I've attended this church for pretty much most of my life. Um, my mom took on the children's uh, pastor role when I was still uh, in children's church or maybe in um, starting into youth group. And I didn't think much of it then, but as I have grown and got married and had three lovely children of my own, I have learned to lean on her godly wisdom and advice that she has given me in raising my children and communicating with my husband and how to develop a godly home. Um, just from the way I see her interact with the kids, I have learned how to be a good example, how to be patient and loving and kind, and I have learned um, just that setting that example for your kids and, and not leaning into the world, but leaning into God and the church is just a really wonderful, precious way to raise your children. Um, and she has not ever hesitated to help with advice and guidance and direction and wisdom for us and our family. And we are so thankful for that. Children's Church, Mimi helps me with the crafts. Mimi has taught me how important it is, it is to believe in God. Pastor Spring is my grandmother and she has taught me a lot about the Bible. Hi, my name is Micah Alvis. I'm currently an intern here at the church, and Pastor Spring has helped with develop my faith. She's been the children's pastor here since I was really young, and she just helped me um, realize that the Lord will always be there for us and that his love never wavers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Spring, for being such a good pastor. Thank you, Miss Spring, for being a great children's pastor and teaching us about God. Thank you, Miss Spring, for serving BLC. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you so much. 
for all that you have done for me in my faith in God. Thank you, Pastor Spring. Well, Spring, you're rubbing off on me because I was able to get emotional both services, so. <laughs> well, thank you so much for honoring Pastor Spring today, and um, she has, um, will continue to have such an impact here at VLC, and as Pastor Otto said, it's, it's so neat that generations of Christians will be affected because of 26 years of ministry. Generations of Christians who know the Lord Jesus. Well, part of that impact and part of the way we continue to have that impact as a church is to study God's Word. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, a series in which Pastor Spring had great import in helping us plan as we talked throughout uh, the fall months about this particular focus of the On the Rock series. We're getting back to On the Rock, our year-long theme in the early part of the fall, we talked about calling upon the name of the Lord and praying in different ways to pray and how to seek the Lord through prayer as being foundational uh, to our Christian life. We then talked about the worship of God and experiencing the presence of God through worship as foundational, as a, as a bedrock to our Christian faith. And now, as Pastor Otto mentioned, over the course of the next six weeks to three months, we will be really focusing as a church in a myriad of ways about how to allow God's word to be the rock and the foundation of our lives. After all, it was Jesus said, he who hears my words and does them will be like a man who set his house upon the rock. The storms came and the winds blew, but the house remained secure. And that's what we're after with this On the Rock series, a firm foundation in our Christian faith. As I drive down one of the main streets in my hometown of Cuyahoga Falls, there is a great big sign in a window that says, God is still speaking. Now, I'm an evangelical Christian. I'm a charismatic evangelical Christian. And when I think the, uh, the concept, God is still speaking, I think, amen. I, I, I've heard people that could God, said, God spoke to me, and then they step out and do some ministry in faith that wins multiple people to Jesus and helps lost people come to know him, and you're like, yeah, I'm so glad God spoke to you. Over the years, people have, God has spoken to them, they said, God spoke to me, Pastor Matt, and I want to give you this gift, and I'm like, thank you, God, for speaking to them. I'm glad, but how many times in the world of the church do we see God speak generosity to the minds, the hearts, and the ears of his people, and they meet a need that they didn't even know existed before God spoke. God still speaks, doesn't he? He still speaks. But I've also seen that God is still speaking used in some pretty different ways. I, I, I've seen it used in ways that, that make me go, ah, oh, that certainly has a context, right? Uh, the context of the God is still speaking sign in downtown Cuyahoga Falls has a very specific context because it is emblazoned on a rainbow flag. So there's a very specific context that somebody is saying God is still speaking to them. And I've seen different ways in which people have said God is still speaking, and you go, boy, I see that as, as an extension of where your heart is at and where your mind is at. 
You know, the voice of God can be used to say anything we want it to say. Jesus would be for or against something. Isn't that something we hear a lot in culture today? That Jesus would be for this or Jesus would be against that? And I guess the question I would ask is, how do we know for sure? I mean, there are people on both sides of almost every issue that says God is for this, and then they'll say in the same, there'll be people on the other side of the issue saying, no, God's against that. Have you noticed that in our culture? Have you noticed that going on in the church? All over the place? God is still speaking. Amen, I think. I mean, what's behind it? What is it that you want God to say? Therefore, you suppose he's said. I mean, what's God doing? What's the mind of God? What's the heart of God? What does God think about the craziness of 2020? What does God think of cancel culture, Black Lives Matter? Would Jesus wear a mask in church? What what does Jesus think of protests and riots and armed intimidation and looting from this group or that? What does God think of abortion and immigration and health care and the environment? Truly, he has to have a thought. There's a lot of people who would love to speak for God and say, I know exactly what God says. He's still speaking and I know. Of course, what's true about the most important things? Is hell for real or just a threat? Is Jesus really the only way, truth, and life? Thank you, Tom. That is our church's position. (laughs) Is God mostly angry at us or is he mostly happy with us? Does God even get angry at sin anymore? Or in light of Jesus, is he just ambivalent? Am I going to be judged or do I get a get-out-of-judgment-free card? These are important questions. Oftentimes, people say, well, I know what God is speaking. I know what Jesus would be for. I know what Jesus would be against. I know the way. But I sort of ask you once again, but, but where does that come from? I mean, honestly, our beliefs have to be rooted somewhere. There must be a standard. There's got to be truth with a capital T, a way to understand the world and the things going on around us that is consistently reliable. For if there is no foundation to our beliefs, if there is no reliable standard, if there is no truth with a capital T, we can make God say anything we want him to. We can claim that Jesus is for anything or against anything. We can dispense with any moral that we don't appreciate. And we can remove any political, social, or theological stance that we don't like. But the truth is, we do have a place where our beliefs are rooted. We do have a standard. We do have a capital T truth. We do have a way to understand the world around us that is consistently reliable. And it's right here. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. The inspired Word of God. The whole thing. Even the parts we don't like. There's parts of the Bible you don't like? Yes. Yes. That challenge me, that upset me, that make me think, oh, do I really know God the way I think? Yes. Parts I don't like. But it is our foundation. And it is reliable. And it is true. This should be the place from which we evaluate every truth claim. This should be the place through which Christians derive their opinions and stances. This is the place from which we should derive our morals, our ethics. Not whether or not, oh, I don't feel convicted about it. No, no. What's here? And 
this is the place where we learn about salvation in Christ Jesus. I have a very pastoral thought for you today. It's something that Pastor Otto and Pastor Spring and AJ and I and, uh, and Pastor Aaron, we, we, we talked about this as we plotted out this series way back in the summer. We believe that the church, the big C church, the worldwide church, we need to get back through looking at culture through the lens of Scripture. Because we, as Christians in America, have gotten very good at looking at the Scriptures through the lens of our culture. Looking at Scripture through our political opinions, our stances, our social stances, or what's going on in the world, or what the mores, the morals of the world are. And we read that into the Bible instead of pulling out exactly what we were meant to pull out. That's why this focus, that's why we want to spend three weeks, that's why, three months, that's why we encourage our life groups, pick a book of the Bible and study it. That's why we're going to focus on studying the Word of God all winter and spring long, because we want to get back to that which is capital T truth. And we want to engage in the inspired Word of God so we can set our life upon a foundation that is reliable and true and the standard of God. Because it is in that that we will find our hope and our stability and our ways to relate to God in the way that we were meant to. Paul writes to Timothy and gives him some powerful words about why we should do this, and I want to read them with you today. Verse 13 of chapter 3 of the book of 2 Timothy. Evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Now, how many of you have ever read or come across that passage before? Can you raise your hand? You get, that's a pretty famous passage in Scripture, right? It's one that I committed to memory when I was a kid. It, it, it's, some, it's a really famous passage. But how many of us knew that the context of that passage is deception? That the reason that Paul was writing these words to Pastor Timothy of Ephesus... Now, this isn't the book of Ephesus. Pastor Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus. The reason that Paul was writing to Timothy in Ephesus was to say, listen, Timothy, there's a lot of deception going on. It's getting bad, and it's going to get worse, and there's imposters everywhere who are deceived, and they are deceiving others. It gets worse. The context gets deeper. If you go back in chapter 3, the deception is within the church. It, it, it's in the church. It, it's not just deception. Oh, the world is deceived. We, don't we love to say that? We love to be the judgmental crowd. Yeah, the world is deceived. No, no. The deception is happening among us right now. Right now. That's what, that's what, that's what he said 2,000 years ago. If it was true then and it was going from bad to worse, you're logical people. You can figure it out, Right? That is what he's saying. There's people in the church that, that don't want to adhere to the standard. They don't want to talk about what's in here. They want to talk about their opinions and their thoughts, and they want to talk about what, ma what makes sense to them, and they are deceiving people. Now, this deceiving in the Greek, it's an important word. New Testament was written in Greek. It means to lead astray. To lead astray means I'm going to go away from safety. I'm going to go away from security. I'm going to go away from sustenance, and I'm going to go towards destruction. 
I'm going to go towards lack of sustenance in the worst, for the, the best, towards utter destruction in the worst. That's deception. That's what's happening, and it's happening even in the church. It's easy to look at those who don't hold our views and assume that they are deceived. I mean, go try telling one of your friends that they're deceived today and see how they take it. They wouldn't appreciate it very much, would they? It's a strong word. But Paul is saying to Timothy, it's happening right now around you, Timothy, and he's telling Timothy, Timothy, you got to be on guard, and you're the pastor. You're the pastor, Timothy, and you better be careful. You could get deceived. Because people are going around saying things that are contrary to the word of God. And they're not correct. And it's going to lead to destruction. It's easy for us to look at other people and, and, and consider that they are deceived. But you know what? I think the safest way to live is to understand that if we're not careful and if we don't get to the right source, we can be deceived as well. You can be in the church for 50 years. You can even read the Bible and you can still get deceived. Because if you read in the culture into the Bible, rather than bring out the truth of God and apply it to the culture, you're operating in deception. Now, truth is, we're not all that objective. We're not all that objective of people, human beings. Like they're, they're, the age of reason, the enlightenment, that's where we got rational nonsense. We didn't. We, we don't just evaluate every truth claim and really go into it and dive into it and look for proof. That's not what we do as human beings. That's not, that's not how we're truly wired there's studies and books that I teach in the workshop, and I can reference the books if you want to know the references. Uh, really, really strong, good studies that explain that human beings believe things for two main reasons. Do you want to know what they are? What they find most comforting and what the people around them believe. What the people believe, what they find most comforting, and what the people around them believe. How many of you have heard the, the concept in, uh, in our culture called tribalism? You believe what your tribe believes. The tribe believes in something, so you got to believe it too, right? Now, let me give you a case, a case study with me. You say, Pastor Matt, what do you believe about climate change? And I will look at you and say, I don't know. You say, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know. Well, hold on just a minute. When somebody asks me, Pastor Matt, what do you believe about climate change? That's a loaded question, isn't it? Because I'm an evangelical and I'm a charismatic, I happen to be at a church where we still preach from the Bible, and so you assume something about what I believe in climate change. True story? You believe, you believe you know what I think about climate change because I'm an evangelical and I preach from the Bible, and my tribe thinks something about climate change, or at least who you perceive to be my tribe. Are you catching what I'm throwing? Okay, just making sure. You think that my tribe or that what you suppose to be my tribe doesn't, doesn't has a specific view about climate change, and therefore I have the, here's what I'll tell you about climate change. I don't know, because I've never researched it. I mean, I, I've, have, I, have I clicked on something that had a particular stance? Certainly, haven't we all, right? Depending on where you're at, the, you're at this news magazine, or you're at that news magazine, oh, you click on it, says this or that, right? But have I really ever looked at the research myself and tried to objectively? No. I'm an agnostic when it comes to climate change. I just don't know because I haven't studied it. But I have studied the word of God as it relates to the environment. God has things to say about our environment, does he not? It's in here. So, so before I study climate change, now I have to because I've admitted I know nothing. Ugh, I don't want to do that. But, but before I would do that, should I not know what God says about the environment 
before I make a decision about how I should respond to the idea of climate change. Do you see why it's so easy to get deceived? Because if I come at the word of God from my tribal perspective, I don't come at the word of God seeking truth. I come to the word of God seeking to have my opinion validated. That's dangerous. That's the path of deception. You say, oh, Pastor Matt, thank you for showing us the wisdom. I wish I was this objective most of the time. I'm not. I'm not, because I'm human. I like to believe what I like to find most comforting. I like to believe what Pastor Otto and, and Elder Randy believe, because that's my tribe. But the truth is, we have to evaluate every claim by the word of God. Paul says something really interesting to Timothy here. He, he explains, you know, Timothy, you do have a tribe, and your tribe has taught you the scriptures. Did you catch that? In verses 14 and 15, it says, remember whom, who, who taught you it. It's plural, it's plural whom in the Greek. He had multiple people. He had, he had Lois and he had Eunice, his mom, his grandma. He had Paul himself. He was taught the word of God through trustworthy people. And I am not discounting that trustworthy people can teach us the right things. Okay? Like, I have trustworthy people. The reason I'm a Christian is because I've had trustworthy people teach me about God. And, and then I found those things to be true. But, but there's, a, there's a root that he gets to in verse 15. Did you see it? He says, and how from the earliest age you have been instructed in the scriptures. Do you see? The root is not whom, the root is the scriptures. The standard is not necessarily who was doing the speaking, it's what backed up what they were saying. And what's inferred here, and it's, it's, it's a deep inference, but I want you to catch it. He says that you have studied these scriptures that make you wise for salvation in Jesus Christ. Timothy didn't even have the New Testament. That means the Old Testament had everything he needed for life and faith. But think about that for just a minute. God's given us even more and great stuff to help us understand Jesus in the New Testament. Timothy didn't even have the Old Testament. He was wise, or the New Testament. He was wise for salvation through the Old Testament. That's incredible in and of itself. We should probably study that Old Testament now and again. Now, now listen, he's, he's making an inference. If you trusted the Bible for the most important thing, your eternal disposition, should you not trust it for lesser matters? If you trust the word of God for the most important thing, the salvation of your soul, do you really want to go into this looking, I'm not sure if it's reliable on other matters? That is logical suicide. It makes zero sense. And it's in this context of deception and saying the scriptures, you trust the scriptures for salvation, Timothy, that Paul says those famous words. Look back at verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete for, and equipped for every good work. So if the context of this life is deception, the remedy is something God breathed. Something that comes straight from God that's absolutely his, that he has no, there's no variation, there is no worry about it. It actually comes from the breath of God. In the same way that God breathed life into you and I, he has breathed life into these words of scripture. Think about that. He gives us the breath of life, and then he's given scriptures the breath of life. It's not the average book. It's not a news magazine. It, it's not a trusted human source. It is a trusted God source. It's God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. It's not, it, there is no book on par with this one. And may I mention that he says all, all scripture is God-breathed. What a blessing. Because there's so much to be gathered from the incomplete 
an entire corpus of God's word. You say, Pastor Matt, I, I have a problem, though, because I understand that the Bible was written by people. How can it be God-breathed? And some people do believe, and I'm not there, an inspiration of like Avatar, right? Where God just takes over somebody's body. God, I'd like to write scripture today. No. The human voice is here. It's part of the salvation plan that God uses people to do his work. The scripture itself is it's just like God's salvation plan. It's the meeting of God and human beings to get his work done. God doesn't take over their bodies and make them a zombie. It's not that at all. God uses their voice to speak, but it's his words that he gives to them to give to us. You say, boy, but, but, but isn't that ripe for error? Well, let's hold on just a second. How many of you have ever been in a church, let's say more than 10 times? Raise your hand. All right? 10 times. All right? Some of you, you know, you're at eight. Good for you. Have you ever thought to yourself, whether you were here or someplace else, wow, God really spoke to me through that sermon? Now, don't be jerks. Yes, you have. No, I'm kidding. You're not a jerk. It's me, you know. Ego. Anyhow, God really spoke to me. You, you've been sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. Wow, I needed that today. And he was using little old me. I'm not Moses, I'm not Peter, and I'm not John, and I'm not Paul. But God can speak to you through the voice that I have. But what's the root, what's the foundation, what's the standard? Because if I just share my opinions, there's no breath of God in it. Right? That's why we preach from the Bible. And let me tell you this, whether you're a VLC or not, whether you're watching online or not, because I know there's dozens, if not more than dozens of people who don't go here. If you ever go to a church and they don't crack this thing, run! Get out of there. Get out of there. This is the inspired word of God, not some pastor who thinks they're brilliant. You know, God can speak through human beings because it's part of his redemptive plan. And that's what he's done through his apostles and prophets and the word of God. And if you want more, I'll do a video log about that and the inspiration of scripture as we move along. Paul says to Timothy, this thing is profitable. I love that and profitable for teaching and reproof and correcting and training righteousness. Growing up, I learned it in a different version where it says it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. No, no, no. My, my, my weed eater is useful. Okay? I need something stronger. So thank you to the English Standard Version for, for putting in the, uh, a Greek term that, that has more a better utility. Uh, profitable. Profitable. For your benefit, for your gain, something that's great for you, something that's important for you, something that'll, that'll, that'll bless you. That's what the Word of God is. It's useful for teaching. Now, I want to tell you, teach, wanting to learn is a beautiful thing. You know, my kids are homeschooled this year. My wife and I were both, you know, in public school. Our kids are in public school. But, but we wanted to homeschool this year because we didn't, we didn't think they'd do great virtual, and we, we knew it'd go back and forth. We, so, so, so we have engaged in the burdensome joy of homeschooling. There are people gifted to homeschool, and there are people for whom it is a burdensome joy. Amen, Gina? <laughs> Our kids will be going back to school <laughs> come fall 2021, but we're glad that's not, they're not doing virtual. That's just something we don't want to do with so many kids. But long story short, there's something beautiful about seeing them want to learn and want to be taught when they desire that. I need to know. I want to know. I want to know where that is and what that is and how that works. And, and, and there's such a joy in being able 
to impart knowledge and wisdom as they're hungry for it. God's enjoying that same inspired joy when we're going, teach me, Lord. Tell me, Lord. Tell me why what is is. Tell me what it is. Tell me how it works. God, teach me. God's loving to breathe life into that because it is inspired. This book is good for reproofing. That's what it says in the ESV, and I thank the ESV. Once again, I'm not putting down any, uh, any translations of the Bible, but the one I grew up on said rebuking. And it never made sense to me why rebuke was followed by correct, because doesn't that seem redundant, rebuke and correct? It's like the same thing. So, so the, the Greek word elikos is, is reproof. And, and what it's trying to convey is this. This is the place, I keep pointing to my Bible, if you didn't know, this is my Bible. Uh, this is the place where we look for the proof. This is the place where we become convinced of things. Re-proof. Re meaning again, proof meaning proof. <laughs> God never said he, he always spoke through brilliant people, just people. Reproof. I love that. This is the place where we get convinced. Boy, how, have you ever engaged like I have in going to the next article and the next article and the next article so I can be convinced of what I already think? Thank you for being honest. Once again, Tom, your honesty is commendable. <laughs> this is the place where we get convinced of stuff. Nowhere else. This is the place where we look for proof. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. This is the place from which we correct our failures. I know we're going long. We're at like the hour eight minute mark. God bless the Terhunes. They tried so hard. We love them. They had their little toddlers here today, and I think they're probably out in the lobby. We love you, Greg and Martha. We went long. It's okay. At the hour nine mark at Old Victory Life, we were just getting started. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. We, we weren't even to the second altar call yet. Long story short, we know it's long today. We did something special, but, but I, I want to finish this passage. It's so important to our life of faith. Correcting. This, this thing corrects us. He, adults hate being corrected. You're like, my child hates. No, adults hate being corrected. I was studying the book of Leviticus this week. That's not a joke. I was studying Leviticus because I'm going to teach and, and lead a life group in Leviticus Sunday nights at 5 p.m. starting next Sunday. Shameless plug. Unless the Browns are in the AFC Championship, in which case God will forgive me, I pray, for moving that time. But this, this book, it, 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 I want to do Leviticus because there's so much great things on sacrifice and blood. First service, AJ said, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. And I thought, I bet a new Christian would be like, that's gross, you know, covered by the blood of Jesus. But, but I wanted to get back into what makes sense of Romans and what makes sense of Hebrews and what makes sense of Matthew when we talk about the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus and the holiness of God and the presence of God. It's a, it's a fascinating book. It's a beautiful book, but it's really hard to read because it's 35 years old or 3,500 years old. 35 years old. No, that's the book of, anyhow. So that, I, I wanted to study it. So I'm reading it, and I'm getting ready for this group, and I'm getting so excited, and I'm writing out my study notes, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at one of the reasons that they brought sacrifices to the temple, and I thought, I'm in sin. From Leviticus. Now, I asked a woman who I really respect, Arla Montgomery, if she's ever been convicted out of Leviticus. She was sitting there for service. She said no. So I've got something on Arlen. But here I'm convicted when I'm reading about the sacrifices that they bring to the temple. And I'm like, oh, I'm guilty of this. Because the morality of the word of God doesn't change. I, thank God I don't have to bring a sacrifice. Christ made a one and for all sacrifice, once for all sacrifice on the cross. But I'm convicted. So you know what I did? I waited till Pastor Otto walked by with his pulp, because he's always carrying pulp. He's a healthy guy. I said, I said, can you stop for a minute? And 
I confess my sin to him. And I'm working today to make it right. I confessed it to Gina too. I'm working today to make it right. Because the word of God's inspired and it can correct us even from Leviticus. It has power. It's God-breathed. All of it, all scripture can convict us. Lord knows you read a book like Titus, you get convicted in about one minute. First Corinthians, it's, it's there. It's all over. It's, it's useful for that. But this is the positive. This is the beautiful. And for training in righteousness. The Greek word is paideos. That's where we get our, our, our concept of pedantic, step-by-step learning, right? Step-by-step learning. It is our step-by-step path to righteousness. And I got to tell you, I don't want to be holier than thou, but I do want to be righteous. I have missed the mark enough in my life. I have, I have missed what God has for me enough in my life. I have despised the gift and the giver enough in my life that I want to be trained to be righteous. I don't want to live this life wrong. I don't want to grieve the heart of God. I don't want to be a pastor who just thinks he's smart. I want to be someone who truly is trained in the word of God and trained in righteousness. And this is the only way to get there. No self-help article, no book other than this is going to get me there. I want to know what the heart and mind of God is, and I want to have his inspired word change me into a righteous man. And he has the power to do it, because I sure don't. He does. I want to be righteous. I don't want to just go, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm going to make heaven, because Jesus said, no, no, yuck, abhorrent theology, yucky theology, no, Let's, let's, let's be trained in righteousness. Let's be the people that God has designed us to be before he ever gave us the breath of life because it says in verse 17 what? That he wants us to be complete, perfected. He wants us to be the people he designed us to be. And it gets better. He wants to equip us for every good work which he prepared, as we know from Ephesians 2.10, in advance for us to do. That's what this is doing for us. It's training us in righteousness. It's bringing about wholeness and completeness. And it's preparing us to do that which God put us on this earth to do. Now, I'm slamming the Bible on a table. Lord, forgive me. It's just a buy. It is, it's the inspired word of God, but this is paper and, and, and fake leather. So, this is what we want from this Bible. We want it to be profitable for us. So, let me ask you as we go so late, who's teaching you? Who's convincing you? Who's correcting you? What proof do you have that your opinions or social stances are right beyond your own conscience and self-justifications? Because I want to tell you, if you're not studying your Bible, you're ripe for deception. Even as we study our Bible, we must do so with fear and trembling that we still don't get deceived. What I'm learning is I see the tumult of culture, the raging of the powers on earth, the undulating mobs, is that my thoughts and opinions are faulty and flawed. If I rely upon my reason, what comforts me, or even my supposed tribe, I will be deceived. There is only one inspired word, and it's in the Holy Scriptures. That is why that's what we're going to focus on the next three months. We've asked our life group leaders to consider doing a book of the Bible so that we can study the word of God seriously. We've developed study helps. One of them you found on your chairs this morning, I believe. This is really simple, a way to think about personal study at home. But if you go online at vlchurch.com, there is an expanded version that talks about resources and ways to help the Bible come alive in your life. Maybe you're not there. Maybe you just need someone to teach you the Bible because it is 2,000 years old at the, old, at the youngest and 3,500 to 4,000 years old at, at the oldest. 
This is a QR code that you can scan for Right Now Media. These are trusted video Bible studies from good Bible study leaders, folks that could help you get into parts of the Word of God that have been really hard for you to access before. We subscribe to this and pay for this as a church so that you can use it. So if you say, Pastor Matt, I'm so new to Christianity, I open up to certain books and I have no hope of understanding them, and I don't know when the church is going to teach that book, well, hey, it's a trusted source right here, and all it is is to scan a QR code. We want to encourage you towards personal study, and it gets even better than that. Here it comes. This winter, spring season, every Wednesday, we will be releasing a video log on how to study the Bible, five to six minutes. And we as pastors are going to walk you through how we study different books and how we approach different texts and, and give you the opportunity to just go, oh, that's how I would read Jeremiah. Or, oh, that, that's how I could read Revelation. And we're going to give you real-time ways to break down the scripture so you can go, okay, that's how it's done. Because we want to make the Bible accessible for you to study and for you to get all the profit that you can from it. But, of course, we want you to join a life group. That's why we put this on your chair. We want you to join a life group and be part of studying the word of God with other Christians because there is the spirit of God that's still speaking and there is people in those groups that are going to be able to speak life into you and help you understand. And, and I know some of you haven't been in a life group since the Reagan administration. Well, it's time to get in one because studying the word of God with other Christians is powerful because those Christians also pray for you and they pray for the change you need to see in your life. They might even, they might even call you out on something. Ooh, they might even speak into your life. Let's say it that way. It sounds better. And so let's, they, they, might even, they might even start caring about you and then when you get sick, they might bring you a meal. That's the cool thing about life group is doing life together. You say, I hate doing life groups, Pastor Matt. There's always some know-it-all who talks too much to prove that they're smart. I know. I used to be one. I might still be one. So those of you who know your know-it-alls, just shut up. You're ruining life group for everybody. Okay? Let everybody talk. Jeez. Man. Uh, I, I don't like life group because I can't pray like all the flowery prayers. Flowery prayers. Pull up the flowers. Just pray. Don't be like the heathens who think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't pray for that long. Let somebody else pray. Please, you know who you are. I know I used to be one of them. Life groups are powerful, folks. You should join one. If you want to join mine, that's fine. I'd love to have you, but there's so many great ones, as Pastor Otto mentioned, for men, for women, for couples, for, 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 for anybody. Study the Word of God with other Christians as part of the power of the church, and they committed themselves to the disciples' teaching and to, the, and to the word and prayer and to the breaking of bread. And I really butchered that, but it was sort of like Acts 2.42. Study the word of God, folks. That's what we're going to be focused on. And come next week, we're going to be talking about other powerful ways that the word of God can speak into our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, your goodness to us. We thank you that you have given us your inspired word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you want to speak into our lives today. And we thank you, Lord, that even today you are doing that. God, help us not to just fall into our tribe, but help us to fall directly into your word. Speak to us, Lord. Inform us and teach us. Reproof that which needs to be reproved. Correct that which needs to be corrected. And train us in righteousness, we pray, until we all come to the wholeness that you designed us for. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for the opportunity to honor a wonderful woman and bless us today as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. God bless you. If you missed any of the resources as Tom's dismissing you, they are on the table in the lobby. We'd love for you to sign up for a life group through this or church center. We'd love for you to scan the QR code and get Right Now Media. Here's a bookmark because we love bookmarks in church. God bless.